I know what went wrong with the computer. It's my presence. <clears throat> I am such a computer nerd, that is, uh, I don't know them, that they go bad if I'm anywhere near them. Thank you for allowing me to preach here today. I, I am very excited. I, I was uh, excited about it, and I was not nervous at all until I got up here in the first service, and I thought to myself, I'm not a visitor here anymore. This is my church. Thank you for welcoming us. My uh, in initiation into swimming happened in a lake in very northern Michigan. And I come from a large family, and you know, uh, just a trip to the lake was a big thing for us. But in the summertime, if, if, the, if the temperature got above 32 degrees, our parents would drive us down to the lake, and we could go swimming. And uh, there was a dock there, and my dad would jump in, and my older brothers would. I was uh, right around five years old, and uh, that's, uh, I wasn't as quick to get in as they were. I would stand at the edge of the dock and look down and do a quick calculation, and I figured that drop is going to be between two feet and a thousand meters. Uh, we were into metric in our little two-room school with six grades in kindergarten up in uh, northern Michigan. Anyway, um, I was concerned. It was, it, I think going to a dentist was, would have been more pleasurable at that point. Uh, there might be something in there that could eat me. And uh, what if I go in there and get tangled in the weeds? And, uh, you know, who knows what leaks, lurks beneath the surface if I broke through the ice that I would have to deal with. And so uh, I was afraid to jump in. But what finally got me to go in is my dad was, he was paddling around and just having a good time. And, and he just kept encouraging me. He said, look, I'll take care of you. You're, you'll be fine if you jump in here. So I finally took the plunge, so to speak. And uh, for what it's worth, to this day, I would prefer to swim in a lake or a river than a pool any, any day of the week. Our Heavenly Father invites us to jump into Christian faith. And taking that plunge seems, for many, to be very risky. You know, what if I fail at it? What if I go into it and I can't do it? What if, what if I can't be like other Christians? What if I fall away? What if I'm just not good at Christian stuff? And to be sure, there is a risk to choosing Jesus because there are forces that work against us. There are three particular forces I want to mention. The first one is opposition from people. Jesus said, all men will hate you because of me. And sometimes that opposition is, is in the form of persecution. And Jesus said to expect that, that we would experience persecution. But for us, in our context, more likely, the opposition is going to be that people will treat us poorly and say all kinds of evil against us simply because we believe in Jesus. Now, the goal of that opposition is to make faith uncomfortable to us so that we don't want to follow Jesus. They want to make it hurt too much. They want to make it cost too much socially and physically. And if you wonder what opposition like this looks like, when you get home, not right now, but when you get home, Google Candace Cameron Bure, spelled B-U-R-E. This was a woman, Christian woman, who makes movies. And she recently announced that she's going to quit making movies for Hallmark because she's going to make movies that are family-friendly, that support the traditional marriage. Now, even though she didn't say anything pejorative against anybody, she is being viciously villainized on social media. Now, we may not face that level of, of opposition, but anyone who has a platform will. If we take the plunge into Christian faith, we risk that opposition. 
Now, another force that works against us is our enemy, the devil. The Bible tells us that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour in 1 Peter 5, 8. And according to Paul in Ephesians 6, 11, he schemes against us. Now, think about that. Satan actually plans how he can get to us, to you and to me, to outwit us that would lead us away from Jesus. That's why we're told to put on the full armor of God, because we need to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, Satan's goal is to lead us away from following God and instead follow him. He wants us to think that it doesn't matter if we follow God and obey God. He wants us to doubt that God means what he says. Do you remember when he said a long time ago, did God really say that you must not eat of that one tree? Christian faith comes with this risk and probability that Satan will attack us in myriad ways. But there's a third force, much more personal, if left unchecked, will subvert our foundation of faith, and that is ourselves. We create our own doubts. How can I possibly do all these things that the Bible tells me a Christian is supposed to do? How can I possibly not do the things that the Bible tells me uh, that I ought not to do? And we start to doubt God. If God really exists, and if he really loves me, I don't think he would let me suffer this illness. If there is a God, why doesn't he fix our marriage? I'm beginning to doubt that God is all-powerful because he still allows evil in the world. Where is God when I'm looking for a job but not finding one? And I, these are things I have heard from Christian folks as they've struggled. We have personal habits and vices and behaviors and attitudes that can disrupt the relationship with Jesus. The most dangerous force working against your Christian faith is you. Nobody threatens the stability of my faithfulness to Jesus more than me. And yet God invites us to take this plunge of Christian faith, submit to him as Lord and Savior. So opposition from people, our enemy the devil, and we ourselves are three forces that will try to subvert faith in Jesus. Now the opposition from others and Satan intentionally and specifically want to move us away from Christ. And while we don't intend to shipwreck our own faith, sometimes the decisions we make, in fact, do that. We are fighting a battle to live Christian lives, faithful Christian lives. On this, the third Sunday of Advent, we consider the theme of love. God invites us to take the risk of putting our faith in Jesus Christ, even though we have these forces that are going to work against us. And God loves us so much that he promises that we will win over opposition, over the devil, and even over ourselves. God's love changes everything. God promises victory when we choose to pursue faith in Jesus. We started the service singing about joy in the house of the Lord. The reason there is joy in the house of the Lord is because we're not beggars anymore. We're royalty. We're not prisoners. We're set free. We're forgiven and accepted and redeemed by his grace. Because of his love, we don't have to shrink in the face of persecution or hateful people speaking evil against us. We can stand on biblical truth, and God promises us victory. Because of God's love, there's no need to cower when Satan attacks. Now, trust me, friends, right now, Satan is considering how he can get to you. What can he do to get to you to cause you to turn away from faith? That's what schemers do. He doesn't just take random pot shots at you. 
He plans. He formulates a plan, and then he attacks. And don't think for a minute that all attacks hurt. Often his attack is promoting success, for Satan knows that it is harder for a rich man, or harder for a, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Good to get it right. The fact that your life is trouble-free doesn't mean that Satan is not attacking. Now, whether he attacks with calamity or kindness, we can know victory because God gives us a way. And that's what we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Because of God's love, we can know victory even over ourselves and our sinful nature. We can change our habits. We can adjust our attitudes and our behaviors. God gives us what we need to defeat even ourselves. God's love changes everything so that we can win this battle. Two weeks ago, Craig showed us that hope changes everything because with hope in Jesus, we can survive any situation. We're not defeated because we have him. Last week, he reminded us that we can live insouciantly because God promises peace to those who follow him. Now, today, we're considering how love, specifically God's love, changes how we find victory over whatever might try to pull us away from our faith in Jesus. We can trust our faith because God loves us in every circumstance. Whether all is well or if it seems like the whole world is against us, God's love is firm. And he gives us the ability to be victorious. When Craig invited me to preach this day, he offered some advice for me to consider. I very much appreciate his thoughts because we want to uh, maintain the themes of Advent and their relationship to the Christmas story and to our current preaching series in the book of Acts. But one of the things he challenged me with was to think about John the Baptist in this. Now, I have always approached Christmas from the perspective of Jesus born in a manger, and I interpret everything around it based on that, and I guess that's fair. But this time, I started from John, and I looked forward, and that's what the gospel writer Luke did. He started with John, and he looked forward. So let's look a little bit at this. Luke tells us of John's birth to the elderly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who had no children, an angel, Gabriel, came and told them that they were going to have a son and they would name him John, and he would point people to the Messiah. Well, Luke record, recorded a prophecy Zechariah made about Jesus. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Now let's stop right there. What are and who are our enemies? Opposition from people, Satan, and ourselves. God has promised victory over these things. Now Zechariah goes on to speak of how God shows mercy, how he enables us to serve him in holiness and righteousness without fear. He enables us to win. And then he says this of his baby son, John. He said, you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way, the way for him. And that's exactly what John did. In our Thursday evening Bible study, Doug Latica is leading us through a very careful reading of the gospel of John the Apostle. And there we saw how John the Baptist denied that he was the Christ, saying instead, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And then the very next day, upon seeing Jesus, John said, look, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I imagine him pointing at Jesus at that moment. And then another time, he did point at Jesus. And he made what I believe is the greatest statement any human man has ever spoken. He said, I am not the Christ, but he has sent, I am sent ahead of him. He must become greater and I must become less. The gospel writer John was clear that everything he wrote was for this purpose, that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing in him, have life in his name. I think John is saying, I have written this stuff so that you can see who Jesus is, who is the Messiah, and that you may take the plunge into Christian faith. Believe in God's Son, and he will give you victory. You see, the record of God's love doesn't begin with Jesus' birth and ministry. He first sent John the Baptist to point to Jesus. And nor does his love end with Jesus' birth and ministry. As Craig pointed out in the, one of the ghost stories, after, God, after Jesus, God sent his Holy Spirit. Now, I, of course, the thing's not giving you the scriptures anyway. I forgot this one and got it in uh, too late to put in the computer. John 16, verse 7. Jesus said, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The way that God's love changes everything for us is by giving us his Holy Spirit to live in us. That's how we win. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the cousin Eddie of the Trinity. He is the power that God gives us to us so we can defeat those enemies. On our own, we'll probably not resist opposition. We'll not defeat Satan. You know, even Michael the Archangel knew better than to go one-on-one -on -one with Satan. And on our own, we'll probably not overcome ourselves. But God loves us so much that he put his Holy Spirit in us so that we can be faithful disciples of Jesus who follow and obey and live like him. So I read through the book of Acts looking for references to the Holy Spirit, specifically uh, being involved in people's lives more than 57 times. The Holy Spirit is not spiritual Heinz 57 sauce who just gives flavor to Christian living. The Holy Spirit is active in our lives. Now listen to some of the things from the book of Acts. He gave specific instructions to Christians of things they should do. He enabled men to get up and preach a unpopular message before a, a hostile crowd. He helped men to be men of faith. Many times you'll find that the being filled with the Spirit and being faithful come together in the book of Acts. He, after Philip had been told to go down on the road to Gaza, he met this Ethiopian man who was studying the scripture, and it was the Spirit that told him, go on board and talk to that man, and he ended up baptizing him. The Holy Spirit filled Saul, later Paul, enabled him to do an incredible ministry. The Holy Spirit told Peter to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. The Holy Spirit led people specifically to accept Jesus and be baptized. The Holy Spirit told the church at Antioch to set aside Barnabas and Saul for a mission trip, and that resulted in most of our New Testament. The Holy Spirit gave Paul the, the strength to call out a, an important influencer named Elimas, who tried to dissuade a Roman official from turning to faith. And then the Holy Spirit kept Paul from going to certain areas, but compelled him to go to Jerusalem, even though it was going to be dangerous there. And by the way, the Holy Spirit also called men who would then serve as elders in the church. And he does that still today. The Holy Spirit is active in our lives. He is active so that we can win. God loves, God's love changes everything because the Holy Spirit 
that he gives us is greater than he who is in the world, greater than the opposition that you might face, greater than Satan and his schemes to attack, even greater than ourselves. And while th there is no circumstance or situation during which he will abandon us, his love is always and his love is forever. We can win. I have learned that when people near the end of life, they don't clamor for the material things, material treasures for comfort. They don't ask someone to bring their bank statements so they can read them real quick. They don't ask anyone to bring their awards and trophies and let me see those one last time. CB was 37 years old. He was a neighbor of Dennis and Barb, members of our church. CB wasn't a believer, but apparently Dennis and Barb were kind of people that when they invited him to church, he felt comfortable taking them up on that. So he started coming to our church. CB and I developed a good friendship. And I, after a couple years, I had the privilege of baptizing him. And then he even became, a, he, because he was a guitar player, and he became part of our worship team, playing guitar with me in our, in our worship every week. Well, life changed for him when several years later, his wife left him for a very young man. His life turned upside down. He stopped fellowshipping with any of us at church and stopped worshiping at our church or any church. Now, fast forward 28 years, CB contacted me just a few years ago, wishing to rekindle our friendship. Now, in the intervening years, he had amassed a really nice collection of toys. He had two cars. One was a vintage Mustang. He drove two motorcycles, and not at the same time, but he had two. He had a real nice speedboat, and Laporte had lots of lakes to go play on. And he had a camper, so he could go away whenever he wanted. Life was really good. But now he had cancer. In fighting this disease, he had given up driving his cars. And he gave up riding his motorcycles. He no longer enjoyed the lakes in Laporte. He went, underwent several rounds of a very aggressive treatment. When I got to his house, he didn't want to talk about the toys anymore. He wanted to talk about Jesus. He wanted to play his guitar and play worship songs with me again. He wanted to know that Jesus still loved him. CB had come to understand that his toys, while bringing pleasure, actually led him away from Jesus. Now he desperately wanted victory. And I'm happy to tell you that before cancer took him, I had the privilege again of renewing his commitment to Jesus Christ. He renewed and rekindled that trust before he went home. Here's what I want you to think about. Being faithful to Jesus is risky. Committing to yourself to love Jesus is dangerous because the world hates him and thus it hates us. And you can be sure you will have some difficult experiences. Faith in Jesus is a risk worth taking, though, because God loves us and he promises us victory over every opposition, over every attack of Satan, and over every personal issue that we bring with us into the kingdom. And to fulfill that promise, he has given us his Holy Spirit. See, we don't have to be afraid. There's no one who's too far gone no one who is too much of a sinner. No one who's done such bad things that God will not accept you. No one is out of the reach of God's love. This morning, if you have never responded to God's invitation, perhaps this is your day. And even if you think that you can't do it, I want to encourage you to accept the invitation. You can be a faithful follower of Jesus, not because you're good enough, but because God, because God puts his Holy Spirit in you to enable you. 
He will give you that. If you want to act on that today, I'm going to encourage you to come up and talk to me. I'll just stand down here after the service, and we got some of our elders here. And if you're just not sure what to do, just look for someone wearing a blue shirt that says, I can help, because they can, and they will direct you. We want you to know Jesus. Now, we who have already accepted this invitation, and I suspect that's most of us in here, in this room today, we are living in God's promise of victory right now. We're experiencing victory over whatever might deter us. Not perfectly, but we're growing and we're getting better because the Holy Spirit's working in us. There are people in our lives who oppose our faith. And so we're also under assault from Satan. And most of us have some baggage from our past and secret sins that we brought into the kingdom with us. Still, we know that God loves us and his spirit helps us to have victory. We will probably continue to get beat up, even if and maybe because of our faith, and God may not fix every problem or make every dream come true. He may not drop a financial windfall on you so that your economic woes are gone. He may not turn your kid around so that she or he becomes a believer. He may not heal your broken relationship. He may not beat your addiction for you. But what he will do is give you his Holy Spirit to help you be faithful and to stand firm. And to everyone who overcomes the forces rallied against us, even if we don't feel like we're winning, the risk of faith in Jesus is worth it because heaven awaits. There won't be any more problems there. No money problems. No one can hurt us there. Satan can't get to you there. There will be no sickness. There won't be marriage problems. And there won't be any doubts about God. We can know that victory because God's love changes everything. And when that glorious day comes... We will join with thousands upon thousands of angels and every believer who has ever lived to sing a song. And if you remember this old hymn, maybe you'll sing a little bit with me. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and Shout what? The victory. You bet. We're going to win. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for loving us more than we can imagine. We, we even have a hard time putting it into words. We try over and over again. We can't quite get it. Your love is greater than anything we ever see. We thank you, Father, that you have seen what opposes us, and you have given us your Holy Spirit to defeat that. We thank you, Father, that we can have this victory right now that leads to a great victory later because of your love. We ask, Father, that you will continue to fill us, continue to encourage us, continue to strengthen us. I thank you for the opportunity to worship together this victory in Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen.